This is Abnormal Entertainment. Two, three, four. Walked into the tunnel just to find the light. Hunted for old demons looking for a fight. Looked up at the stars, seemed to go forever. There must be a way it all fits together. Fell into the quicksand, held on to the vines. Never cook white color, stay within the lines. Feel like I have wings, I can fly wherever. This is just the way it all fits together. Finally saw the world through rose-colored glasses. Gonna share my journey to small and large masses. Give up on my life, no sir, me never. This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together. Hey everybody, this is Daniel Garza. Welcome to another episode of Put It Together. I'd like to start as usual thanking my producer, Mr. Kevin Moyers, for all his help and support. Thank you, sir. Inviting all of you to check us out at normalentertainment.com, where you can find all the shows on the network. Today, I am excited. I have uh, Mr. Christopher Shea. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm good. We, uh, we, we had a lot of... It took a lot for us to get here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that it did. But perseverance wins, you know? You know? Um, now, you came to me as a referral interview. How, how, did, how did your end start? Uh, for the referrals you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, I work with a, uh, agency that, um, you know, hooked up the referral and said, hey, you guys would be a good match. So we just went from there. Cool. I always wonder how it's it's working because they send me your name, a bio, uh, your resume, basically. Which uh, a lot of folks don't realize that on the show, it's more about your personal story than, than your work because you want right. to know the backstory. Uh, but I always get this long list of stuff, and I'm like, <laughs> so, so what's their name? <laughs> That's all I need to know. Who are these people? Yeah. Uh, well, let's get started. Let me uh, let's get to your story, uh, Christopher Shea. Tell us how you put it together. So how I put it together, that, that's, that's a very long story, but uh, um, honestly, the way that the short version will expand when we need to, but um, so I've been doing counseling work uh, for a little over 20 years and totally love it. Um, my focus was on addictions, uh, predominantly drug, alcohol. And I uh, kind of quickly moved through the ranks, um, so to speak, where I went from a counselor uh, into a clinical director and from there moved into executive levels um, of inpatient treatment facilities. And things were good. You know, always worked for a nonprofit, always uh, was focused on trying to help people. Um, but I'm a type A person. I'm always running around doing who knows how many things. Uh, so when I got into these executive level positions, not only did it bring increased meetings, increased work, I was still carrying a caseload because nonprofits, you don't have enough staff. Um, and eventually I started getting into the speaking circuit, uh, going around the country talking about addictions representing the facilities, representing, um, you know, my position, and life just got busier and busier. So what typically happens, you know, if life is going to get busy over time, 
um, something's got to go. And unfortunately, for me, what went uh, was really focusing on what's important, and, and that's family. So um, for me, where the story really picks up and what I'm doing now is I eventually decided I need to make a change. And I left the corporate type world. I left the executive uh, piece. And um, I moved out of the city. I was in the Baltimore area and moved into where I am now, very rural area, and started working for a high school. Um, and, you know, for me, that was really good that I, I could start working um, with kids, with, um, you know, a smaller population. I wasn't on the run like I used to be. So um, all of that was a really cool stuff until actually the school year ended and summer came. Now, people would think, hey, that's awesome. You got like three months off, you know, paid vacation. This is great. I thought so, too. But one of the worst things you can do to a type A person who for 20 years has been on the go is to say now you have nothing to do for three months. <laughs> so um, that really became a life changer for me. You know, the first week or so was fun because that was like vacation. You know, week vacation, that's great. After that first week or so, it was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, like, what do I do? And I, I was going crazy. And really all I had to do was, was to start to turn inward. And I hadn't turned inward in probably almost 20 years. <laughs> so, um you know, for me, that turning uh, inward is really what made the, the life changes that I now talk about. Um, you know, from good. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me go back a little bit because you go from because uh, I, I I've been in recovery now almost 12 years. Awesome. So I know that addiction and recovery for adults is one thing, but then going into counseling for uh, for younger people. That's a, a total different beast because not only <laughs> not only are you dealing with maybe addiction and, and recovery, but teenagers just just <laughs> teenagers. How was that transition for you? Not as uh, strange as you might think, um, because again, for my type of personality, there. Uh, outlook on life, their energy, their sense of hope, um, that just fueled me. So, you know, take away the corporate stuff, take away all the meetings, take away uh, uh, kind of that prestige. And what I had left were um, not just people to help, but the teenagers with, with their excitement. And that fueled me. Um so I, I loved it, you know, because regardless of how their lives were going, and, and many of them had some really bad lives, right. um, they still found hope. They, they still found, you know, the, the sense that, hey, things can get better. Um, so that that really helped to, you know, propel me, which I think made the summer worse because now I even lost that. You know, I, I just had myself. <laughs> you know, um, now in a rural area, I just had myself. So, being a type A personality, uh, there's usually this contradiction between our logic and our feelings. Like, they don't want to coexist, although they need to. Did you find that <laughs> difficult in any way? Almost definitely, and, and that's what was really messing me up as the summer progressed, because the only thing that I had, you know, left for me when I was turning inward were the feelings, you know, and, and by not doing and not having anything that I really had to do, those feelings really turned into 
sense of, you know, what is my worth? You know, who am I? Uh, because when you take the work away and you take that prestige away, what are you left with? So, yeah, that that really had me to dig deeper and answer that question. You know, well, what's left? And I really started thinking, well, you know, if I were to be retired right now, you know, what would that mean? And And then that was... You know, like, I, I don't know, I, I would just have to go crazy, <laughs> you know. Um, For the folks that don't understand quite the term of uh, going inwards or turning inwards, can you describe your process or what you, what that meant for you? You know, what that meant for me is, you know, my day was now waking up and having really nothing to do but what I chose to do. And, yes, that sounds awesome. And, and I know there's probably some people like going, oh, boo-hoo, you had a vacation. And, you know, and, yes, I get it, okay? Everybody wants to boo-hoo me, go right ahead, I deserve that. Except for, you know, re- remember, this is now going from on the go to, right. like, hitting a, a, a brick wall and bouncing off of it and then wondering what just happened. Right. Because I hadn't considered the summers off. That that wasn't even a thought of mine that, oh, I, I get these summers. So for me, that turning inward was I'm left with sitting around and just having my feelings, my emotions, um, my desires, my questions. You know, I, I'm, I'm sitting in an area where I can't just, you know, walk down to the mall or, or walk to the shop or, you know, I can't really walk anywhere that's not farmland. Wow. So, you know. All you have is the air in yourself. That is. That's what I have. You know, my my wife woke up and she went to work every day. You know, so um, the kids are out of the house. So it was me just hanging out. Um, And I said that worked well for a week. But after that. Now, um, there's a lot to be learned about addiction and recovery, even for on the therapy side, uh, on the therapist side, because every case is different. Everybody has a different journey. But do you did you find yourself like self exploring your own life, your own journey? Oh, definitely. Uh, that played a, a big role into it because not only was I asking, well, who am I? You know, you've got that question, how did I get here? Um, you know, because I had dedicated almost two decades to working in the field of addiction. And I spent that time 100% focused on either direct counseling of people, helping them in their recovery, or creating institutional policies, or I was even doing uh, legislative work, you know, with lawmakers, so creating wider policy. So everything I did was focused on um, what is the best treatment, what is recovery look like, how do we best help people in recovery. So now that I'm just kind of sitting around, that is part of thinking, well, how did I get to this point that, I'm now reflecting on self, and I have the time to reflect on self. Right. Well, what happened? You know, so there was a lot of soul-searching as to am I doing the right thing? You know, should I have stayed in the city? Should I have stayed with, uh, you know, that kind of fast-paced life? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, Yeah, a lot of the questioning. Okay, and I think that I kind of skipped answering, asking this question. Why, out of all the fields that you could go into, out of all the, why addiction? <laughs> that, that's a story right there. Actually, I, I fell into it. I never had the idea of going into addiction. Um, when I was studying to be a counselor, uh, my focus was on teenagers and I was also focused on the spiritual side of counseling. So never did I think that I would be doing addictions. 
Um, it wasn't a specialty of mine. I didn't study it. How I got into it is I graduated from graduate school and needed a job, and I put out a ton of resumes. <laughs> and this small treatment center in the inner city Baltimore said, hey, we need a case manager. You know, right. you're it. And, um, you know, and what I said, well, you know, I, I, I don't have an, any specific addiction work. They were like, look, we need somebody. You have a master's. You're it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? wow. So, you know, but I'll say, you know, once I got into it, I, I figured, well, that's fine. I'm an, I need a job. Once I got into it and met the people struggling with recovery, struggling with addiction, and really went full force into helping, I knew this is where I needed to be. Yeah. And I never looked back. I, I went and got extra studies. I did every seminar, every conference, everything you could think of to really learn how to do this to the best of my ability. And I have never, in everything I have done, it is always somehow focused back on addiction counseling and recovery work. How, how, I've always been curious because I've had therapists. Uh, I, for the people that are listening that have followed me, they know my story a little bit. I started doing drugs when I was 20. I started drinking when I was like 15. I sobered up when I was 36, which is now almost 20 years ago. And I, I've, over the, over my course of, of sobriety, I've been to the therapist. I, I've talked to people. Um, there's a lot of, I'm not going to say lying in, in rehabilitation, but we, <laughs> But those of us who have been through it, we tend to bend the truth sometimes a little bit. Um, uh, how are you able? How are you able to to counsel somebody who's not being completely open and honest with you? That's something that I've learned over the years. Because yeah, when I first got into it, they were pulling a lot because I, I was assuming, well, of course, everybody's going to be honest. <laughs> so. As time went on, <laughs> you know, got to kind of learn some of the tricks. But really what I find for most people who are first coming into recovery, first trying to get over their addiction, I find for most people it's not malicious lying. It's part of their survival. They've learned over the course of time that to bend the truth, to outright lie, to whatever, they had to do that to survive in their active addiction. And there's no way that I'm going to expect them to make that change just because you're sitting in front of me. Who am I that they can trust right away? So what I look to do is right from the get-go build that relationship to let them know that you can trust me and here's what I'm going to do on my end, to help them in their recovery and what I expect from them on their end to help them in their recovery. Now, as our relationship continues, depending on what's going on within their own, you know, recovery and how seriously they're taking it depends on how I'm going to approach that. You know, for most, when I catch them still kind of bending the truth, I'll call them on it, usually in a respectful, nice way. Way, I'll call them on it. And a lot of times, you know, I'll get the, oh, yeah, 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 I forgot. That's old behavior. You're right. Now, for some who aren't taking it seriously, I'll, like, what I like to call is I'll get in their face about it. And I'll be much more direct about you've got to stop lying. You've got to come around. And I'll just be straight with them and say, look, lie to me all you want. It's not going to change what I do when this day is over. Because when this day is over, I'm going home. When this day is over, if you continue to lie, where are you ending up? Because you might end up back using. And if you're serious and telling me you don't want to be using anymore, then you've got to stop the lying. Because getting it over on me is fine, and you can be proud of getting it over on me, but who gets affected? I don't get affected. For those of you listening, I know you probably hear the background noise. 
I had to drive into LA and I'm in, I'm at a Starbucks outside. Uh, so if all of a sudden it sounds really quiet, it's because I'm putting myself on, on mute so that they can hear you better. So I'm still listening to you. But, um, <laughs> and, and I'm very envious when I saw you were at the Starbucks because I've got my little styrofoam coffee cup and, you know, you're sitting at the Starbucks. <laughs> yes, I'm being very bougie today, recording live from the Starbucks in L.A. Uh, <laughs> now, again, talk, I, I kind of want to get to the ending of this part of the on, but working on yourself as your as you have this free time, learning all these tricks that people in recovery use, walking through the journey with them. Um, are there things about you that you're discovering besides the fact that you have to continuously work? I call that the, I call that the shark syndrome, where like a shark even in its sleep has to swim to survive. I, I consider myself a shark, and I think you're one of those too. Like we have to continuously be doing something to survive. But in, in those quiet moments, we learn things about ourselves that we may not have wanted to acknowledge. Have you encountered anything like that? Well, I, I think playing along with your analogy, and I really like your analogy, um, I think the biggest thing that I learned uh, that summer about myself is that, shark or not, I need to stop swimming at times. And I'm going to be okay. You know, I think that whole notion of if I stop doing and then have to face myself, that's not going to be good. But what I learned is, no, in order to be the best person that I can in helping other people, I'm going to have to really work on myself and know myself. So I can spend a good chunk of my time swimming, but i got to stop every once in a while. And I think one of the things that finally hit me, and I began to learn this through that summer, was the example that I love to use now with, with uh, when you're flying. So anybody who's been on a commercial airline, you know they go through the safety procedures and the flight attendants either try to make it funny or just go through it in a bland way. But one of the ones that always struck me was if we lose cabin pressure and the masks drop and you're traveling with a child, put yours on first, then help the child. I have three children. And every time I would hear that, I would always think to myself, oh, no, I don't. Like, there is no way I'm going to let my little kid gasp for air while I'm putting on my mask and going, hey, look, I can breathe, you can't, ha-ha. You know, so it's like, I am not going to do that. I'm I'm taking care of my kid. That's just a parent thing. But you know what I learned over that summer is it does make sense. Because when you think about it, if those masks drop, that little kid's going to be freaking out. There's no way that kid's not going to be freaking out. Try to put this mask on a freaking out kid. It's not going to go well. And what I learned was what if while I'm putting that mask on this kid, not only does the kid pass out, but I pass out. Now, neither of us have a mask on. Well, when you look at the other way, if I put that mask on, I could take as long as I want fighting with that kid to get their mask on because I'm breathing. And even if, worst case, they pass out while I'm putting that mask on, a minute or so with them passed out is not going to damage them. Actually, it's probably going to be helpful because now they're not fighting me. <laughs> you know, now I can get their mask on. <laughs> you know, so you know, I, I really began to understand more fully. I've got to take care of myself if I really want to be helping other people. You know, and, and then I start to wonder, you know, how many people weren't I helping to the best of my ability because I was draining my own energy without taking that time for myself. Uh, now, uh, you brought up your children, and not to get too much into their business, but uh, have you, do you think it gave you better parenting skills, everything that you've heard from other people? I did try to use that. Um, I think, you know, one of the issues was in being so busy, you've only got so much to give. Um 
but I, I definitely did try to use some of the things that I learned um, from my clients, you know, and, the, and a lot that I learned from, you know, my clients was really to focus on the present moment, you know, and, you know, people kind of look at that as, you know, the cliche saying of the day, you know, focus on the present moment, but it really isn't cliche. It, it's truthful, you know, and, and really what I came to learn that summer um, more importantly was how that message does make sense. You know, how many times would I tell a, a client of mine one day at a time, you know, one hour at a time, one minute at a time? I would tell them that every single day. That was the mantra. Did I live that? Well, of course not. <laughs> but I always say, you know, hey, this works. Live one, you know. But what I learned, you know, oh, exactly. You know, because it's like I've got I don't have time to sit down and do one day at a time. I, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm too important. I'm too whatever, you know. But then I, I realized that summer, I, I'm nothing. I'm not too important, too busy, too whatever. I'm me. And all I have is this present moment. And the summer helped me in, the, in the kind of hitting that wall and in, in saying, what else do you have right now? Because tomorrow you're going to be doing the same thing you're doing today which is trying to figure out what to do, <laughs> you know, so it really comes down to all I've got is this moment, and what I do in this moment is all I have control over, and that's really helped me in, in the way that I look at things, say this is not cliche, so, you know, when I write about or give talks or anything that I now do, I'm, when I say focus on this moment, I'm not just saying that for a phrase. I'm saying that because that's what I've learned. And I know this from experience. All you've got is this moment. That, that's all you can focus on is now. So to me, that this is experiential. That This isn't, you know, all the latest mindfulness thing. No. I learned it. I know it. Well, now that you bring mindfulness into the conversation a little bit, because my followers know um, – I'm a Reiki master. I, I believe in meditation. I believe yep. in, in, in nighttime meditation. I, I'm always going to bed with my earbuds on. Although I'll confess to everybody that lately I've been watching a lot of ghost videos. So that's what puts me to sleep, <laughs> watching ghost videos. But um, there was a time, and I remember this, when I first started taking, uh, doing therapy. Uh, and then I, I was studying to be an alcohol and drug counselor. Unfortunately, that was during the time that I was doing drugs and alcohol, which, which now I call my research years. But um, that wasn't a big thing when I first started taking therapy, uh, meditating. It, it was like totally nope. opposite things. Have you? Uh, do you find that they integrate really well now? Oh, most definitely, and that's what I encourage all my clients now to do. And, you know, we need to take time in our day to meditate. There, there's no question. You know, we kind of talked about it when, you know, I, I would help the clients with 12 steps and we're talking about, you know, the principles of AA, NA. It's in there, but it's not explicit. And what I think is very important and, and I make explicit now is Everybody needs to spend at a minimum 10 minutes a day just focused on the inward meditation. Right. Now, what I say is because, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I don't have a quiet place to sit and, you know, meditate. I get it. If you live in a city, if you live in, then take a walk. But when you take a walk, take a walk intentionally, meaning as you're walking, intentionally hear your footsteps, intentionally feel that, intentionally look for the little things. You know, even in a city walking down a sidewalk, you're going to see some sort of bug or a bird or something. Intentionally see it, you know, because that makes a big difference than just walking quickly down a city block. So I think anybody at any point, can just stop and intentionally try to look at their surroundings, analyze what they're feeling, and just acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah I, I tell a lot of my clients that I do, my Reiki clients, that 
because I tell them, I'm like, have you been meditating? Have you been taking time for yourself? And it's it's usually the same answer, especially here in LA. Everybody's so busy. Um, oh yeah, we're always so busy. Um, it's like you. It's not. I think it's evolved from find a place to sit and and do nothing and focus on the nothing. I'm like a, a lot of times the nothing becomes way bigger than it started. Does that make sense? Oh, um, definitely makes sense. Especially. Of course, almost all my friends have pets. I'm like, walk your dog, and like you said, yep. use, use that as your time. Um, your dog knows the route already. It knows which way it's going. Take that time to just gonna go inside of you and focus on what you need to get rid of and and and, and uh, muffle the voices for a little bit, five minutes. And and I think a lot of people think of it as this chore. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. And, and that's why a lot of people stay away from it. You yeah. know, it's like, I don't have time to do it. I'm not going to sit still. You know, I can't clear my head. It, so if, if you've got all of those excuses, it will be a chore if you say to somebody, no, you have to do it. Um, you know, anything that we don't learn that's important for us and that we like to do is going to become that chore. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on, on that one. So getting away a little bit from uh, the counseling recovery, you've done more stuff. They, yeah. We were, talking in the pre, we were talking in the pre-interview that they send me uh, this list of things that you, I'll be honest, I usually don't look at everything because I want to be surprised by, like, the audience about your life. What else have, has... Uh, what else have you been involved in? Well, even if we just look post that summer, um, so like currently, you know, so I, I say, hey, I'm going to slow down now. Well, slow down now means I do uh, some work for the uh, local health department. I have a private practice. I'm an adjunct uh, professor. Um I write on my blog, I've authored books, I have a podcast. Um, I think that's all I do. You made it a hobby. I, <laughs> I, I just feel like you're not really utilizing your time properly. <laughs> exactly. I, <laughs> well, you know, well, when people now, you know, hear some of this, then, then the, they say to me, well, wait a minute then how is this any different than what you were before that summer? You know, did, did you, like, not learn anything and just go back into being this type A? You know, and what I look at, and some people call this rationalizing, fine, call it what you want, but the way that I see it is everything now that I'm doing is intentional. It's things that I enjoy doing. It's things that are focused on the purpose of trying to help others to find their peace. I'm not doing anything right now that has been imposed upon me. You know, so when I look before, you know, when I was an executive, you have all these things imposed on you, and you kind of have to act in a certain way, and, and you have to go to certain events, and you have to do certain things. So the way I look at this now is I'm not doing anything that I haven't chosen myself to do that I think leads toward my mission of trying to help as many people as I can. What it is, because I like that term, uh, intentional, like, because uh, I believe in that. Post, before cancer, I was always volunteering for somebody, doing work for somebody. Uh, it, it was somebody else's idea, and I just mm -hmm. gave it life. Then after cancer, I thought, I, I'm tired of doing things for other people. I'm not leaving my uh, what I'm talking about. I'm not leaving my mark in the world. I'm just helping somebody else do theirs. So right. I, I, I like what you said about intentional. What is what was the first thing that you said? This is totally me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and that I think is what's important is. You know, when we look for how do we find 
peace in our lives. And, and that's really my mantra in life is I, I'm trying to help as many people as possible to find their own inner peace. And one of the things that I've come to realize, if you want peace in your life, you have to do you. You know, don't be looking to be somebody else. Don't be trying to create yourself into whatever. Accept who you are and change what needs to be changed within yourself. But it's always what do you need to change to become the person that you want to be? Not who everybody else is telling you to be or to copy somebody else. Right. You be who you are. That's where you're going to start finding your peace. So you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I think I, the question got lost a little bit. But what was the first thing that you intentionally did for yourself? Oh, so the first thing. So within that summer, what I started doing intentionally was writing the blog. So I, I the very first thing that I did was say to myself, I need to start reflecting on this, and writing a journal would be a way to go. So. What I decided to do was to put down this journal on the web, and I figure if people read it, great. If they don't, great, because this is just my musings. I'm just going to put it out there just because. Right. And that's really where all of this started. And even now, I'm intentionally keeping that website address. So even though blogging is not my main thing, my website is still Life's Journey Blog. Because I want to keep true to, you know, the beginnings of this. And from the blogging has expanded into all of these other things that, you know, I've said where now Life's Journey is its own company, not just a journal, you know, on the web. Um, But I don't ever want to give up that web address because I need to remind myself, where did this come from? Right. And this came from a blog. And where did the blog come from? It came from my self-reflections. So I've got to keep myself grounded and say, no matter where this goes, it all started because I needed to reflect on myself. Now, and then we can't lose that focus. Now, there, there's something interesting, because in the beginning we were talking about being in the moment, staying present. You know, in, order to keep, in order to keep going forward, you got to stay in the present. But as you're speaking about your website and, and it's like it reminds you of where you were, how and, and I have my own idea, but in your words, how idea, how important is it to, to go back or to look back and, and trace where we came from and does that keep us in the present? Most definitely. To me, the only reason for our past is to learn from that past. That's the only reason for us to have it. For people who stay in the past, that's where you're going to lose any sense of inner peace and and you're going to gain stress and anxiety. The past, good, bad, or otherwise, is our past. It happened. We don't deny it. That's going to give you other psychological issues. So we're not going to deny our past, but we're not going to dwell there. What do I learn from it? And when I learn from that past, now I continually keep my focus on the present moment because my past did shape who I am today. But who I am today is always a continuing product of my present choices. So what I do today will become my past tomorrow, so how I feel tomorrow is going to be a result of today and the days that came before today. Did y'all get that? I hope everybody who's <laughs> listening got that. Because, um, yeah, I, I especially being in recovery, having some counseling background, um, doing energy work with people, I, I always tell them, it's like, it's a continuum. Like, it's all part of my life. Yep. I I can't forget the stuff that I did when I was doing drugs and alcohol because if, the moment I forget that, I will repeat the past and make those mistakes again instead of learning from them. 
Right. Does that make sense? And, and that's the big difference is that you don't deny that that's a part of your past and what you learn from it, where it becomes a problem is if you live in that past. And if you look to that past and say, I should have never taken drugs, I wish I was never an addict, I wish I never, all of those phrases have to disappear from our minds because none of them do us any good. I, I can wish a lot of things from my past, but it's not going to change it. So what I've just got to say is my past is my past. What did I learn so that I make decisions today so that my future tomorrow can turn out the way I would like it to. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, excuse me, everybody. Uh, all right, so we're getting close to that part of the show where uh, I asked my guest to share some words of wisdom with my listeners. So, Christopher Shea, what words of wisdom do you have? Words of wisdom. And, you know, there are so many wise people out there. I encourage people to do a lot of reading and listening to people because there are many, many wise people out there. Um, but one thing that I've learned over time is this quote, and I use this quote often. Um, it's been attributed to a lot of people. It's been attributed to the Talmud. I don't know where it's come from, but it isn't me. But I love this quote. And the quote is, we do not see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. So we do not see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. You know, and that's really helped me in, in trying to look at the world within that perception because we all need to realize that we're all perceiving this world in a slightly different way. No one is seeing it exactly the same way. But this quote, I think, goes a little bit deeper because what it's saying is, where does that perception of this world come from? And it's not coming from the exterior. It's coming from the interior. How I feel about myself is going to influence how I see the world around me. So when people say, you know, the world is bad, the world is scary, the world is whatever, that's coming from yourself. You're viewing the world from that way that you see yourself, that there are parts of yourself that you're finding as scary and bad, you know, and you, you don't want to deal with that stuff. If you loved yourself, why would the world be a scary place? Because you're going to view that world from the view of, I love myself, I'm good, I'm a halfway decent person, I think. You know, I, That's how you're going to approach the world. And the world is going to give that back because that's how you're going to see it. You know. Do you think that perception is closely tied to expectations? Oh, definitely, 100%. And, and that's where most of us mess ourselves up. Because we put these expectations on ourselves and on other people, and usually we're putting unreasonable expectations. Expectations are fine. You know, there are certain things that uh, I think are, um, you know, acceptable to say, I expect from, say, uh, uh, relationships certain things. I expect from other people certain things. But are these expectations reasonable expectations? And a lot of times, no, they're not. And they'll never be met. And when they're not met, then we get frustrated, but we should have known they're not going to be met. You know, it's, it's like if you have a family gathering and everybody, you know, is saying, oh, this family gathering is going to be so stressful because aunt so-and-so is going to get drunk and uncle this is going to say off-color things and, you know, so, you know and, and you're getting all stressed because you know what's going to happen. And I always say to people, why are you stressed if you know what's going to happen? That's what I say. Yeah. yeah. If you know what's going to happen, then enjoy the show you know because you're not going to stop it. Yeah, you know, you know how they are. Why do you invite them? <laughs> Well, that too, then just don't invite them. And if you have to invite them, then just deal with it. 
you know, why get upset about something that you know? But see, what it is is people get this unreasonable expectation that they're going to be different this year. Well, they're not going to be different this year. Which brings us back to insanity. <laughs> exactly. Recovery. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so, no, definitely. I mean, again, this is where we learn from the past. If you know certain relatives are going to act in a certain way because they've done it in the past, then you know it. Don't get upset about it. It is what it is. Move forward. You're not going to change them. Just deal with it. If you've got another guest coming, maybe prep them and say, hey, look, I just need to apologize ahead of time. Here's a couple things that's probably going to happen. Don't play into it. Yeah. It's not personal. Don't play into it. <laughs> like I told my boyfriend when he met my family, don't talk politics and you'll be okay. There you go. Just you know, and, and once you know that, then you just move forward with that, you know. <laughs> so um, in, in the biography of Christopher Shea, what would be the first sentence? Inner peace is possible. Huh. Interesting. I, I, I want to start there. And one of the reasons, because one, I believe that, and I believe that from experience, and number two, because of your reaction. <laughs> because everybody else would have that reaction, they read the rest of the biography. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Like, He's not, so let's read that. <laughs> exactly, uh, you know. <laughs> and if you could name this episode, what would you name it? Um, finding inner peace has nothing to do with LA and Starbucks. <laughs> Because again, I'm very jealous that you're sitting in Starbucks right now with the sun shining in LA. Would it help to tell you that it's a little chilly and windy? Oh, please. What's chilly? <laughs> it's, it's like 65 right now. Oh, man, I got 33 degrees and wind today right now. <laughs> But, hey, actually, I prefer it my way than your way, so. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah, I did. Um, I'm just trying to mess with you. But, uh, no, I, I really think, you know, for what, what would I want, like, somebody to get out of, um, you know, today's uh, message yeah, is um, that it's, yeah, it is really that it, it is important to stay focused on the present moment. And honestly, whatever you need to do to do that, do it. You know, if you honestly can't meditate, find another way to stay focused on the present moment. But I'll tell you, if you don't think you can meditate, I bet you can. If you get creative with it and think outside the box, I'll bet you can do it. But whatever it takes for you, I don't care. I'm not here to judge I'm just here to say, if you want inner peace, you've got to focus on the moment. Okay, so I have two final questions. The first one is, what helps you be comfortable when you go inwards? Nowadays, what helps me is that I remind myself that I have to accept what I'm going to find going inward. And acceptance doesn't mean I have to like it. You know, it's, it's again going back to that family gathering. I don't have to like those aunts and uncles and whoever else, but I do need to accept that they are who they are. Right. So I, I can accept who I am. Now, what I then need to do, well, that's, you know, depends what I find. You know, so what changes do I need to make to continually grow? Because there's always room for growth. But now it's not a looking inward out of a fear of, oh, no, what am I going to find? Or looking inward and saying, like, oh, man, I'm just a worthless piece of whatever because, you know, look at all these faults. No, I can now look inward and say, yeah, look at all these faults. This is who I am. What am I going to work on first? Is there, are there still things in there that you, you don't want to confront? I wouldn't say that there's things I don't want to confront, but there's things that I don't enjoy confronting. Okay. Um, you know, there are still some deeper things in there that need a lot more work um, to where I'll be more comfortable with them. 
but I will say in 100% I've accepted that they're there, and that's why they don't frighten me, and I can look at them because I can accept them, where before I wouldn't have even wanted to admit that anything was there I wasn't willing to look at. Excellent. Even though I knew. Uh, any final thought for the people listening? Oh, and where can right. I find you? Oh, where, where you can find me, the, the easiest is just go to my website because that's where all my contact info is. Um, and the website is lifesjourneyblog.com. Um, and just click on there and you'll find everything that I'm doing, every contact way, everything is, is all up there. Um, and uh, that, that's really the best way to, to find me. Cool. And your final thought for people listening? Final thought is, again, just to reiterate, inner peace is possible if you're willing to do the work to get it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. For everybody listening, uh, Mr. Christopher Shea has been on the show after many, many months of trying to get together and trying to get <laughs> it. And even today was almost like I was almost going to like reschedule because I was like, is it going to be too loud? Will he be able to hear me? But I think it worked out okay. I think we got it. We got it. Uh, I think it was fine. Yeah, works and, for uh, me. Oh, I just I, her name just slipped my mind. The the the, the lady that connected us. Uh, I want to say Courtney. No, not Courtney. Yes, Courtney. It is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, a big shout out to Courtney. Thank you, Courtney, for. Uh, the guests that you have sent my way, please keep them coming. Uh, for everybody listening, if you'd like to be on the show, uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Send me a message. Let me know you want to come on. If you have somebody you want to refer over, just let me know, and we'll have them on the show. Meanwhile, go check us out at nomoreentertainment.com, where you can find all the shows on the network. A big thank you to my uh, producer, Mr. Kevin Moyers, for his help and support. Thank you, sir. And Christopher Shea, thank you so much for being on the show and, and for being so patient with me and, and getting all this together. It was my pleasure. I, I really enjoyed our talk. We'll have to do uh, some more uh, counseling-type conversations. Uh, <laughs> I, for those of you who have been following, uh, I might have you come on. I have a, a, a show called uh, Putting Together Conversations where uh-huh. it, we I talk to counselors and uh life coaches and we kind of put out some information out there and answer some questions live on Facebook. So we'll have to talk about having you on, on that. Awesome. That'd be wonderful. And having some on some live real time conversations with people. So that'd be uh, awesome. Everybody stay tuned for that. For now, uh, I want to thank everybody. This is Daniel Garza saying, Hey, put it together. This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together. This is how I put it together. Subscribe to Put It Together on iTunes, Stitcher, and at abnormalentertainment.com slash put it together. Find Put It Together on Facebook and tweet Daniel at Lil Mesican, L-I-L-M-E-S-I-C-A-N. And for more podcasts, comics, books, movies, and more, head to abnormalentertainment.com. You've been listening to the Abnormal Entertainment Network.